Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. She's one of the finest counselors that I know, one of the most insightful. I often tell people that I went through Christ Life many times uh, with the students, but the last time I went through it as a participant, John Marquez was my facilitator, Kathy, Karen Dean, and some others. Oh, man, I tell you, it was brutal. They went, they dug deep. No, it was really good. I, God really did a transformation in my life, uh, but I had some very insightful participants around me. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful thing. So, Kathy, we're so grateful for you to come. Why don't you come on up here? Let's give her a good Heartland welcome. Okay, good to see everyone. A lot of you I do know, familiar faces. And um, so good to be here. I just have um, such... Incredible respect for Pastor Dave. I've known him for so long, and he has such a heart for God, and he has such a heart for people. And um, I just appreciate this opportunity to share what's really passionate about me. Um, if, if the PowerPoint could be pulled up there, make sure we get that going. All right. Well, there it was. It's nice having this on the backdrop here. Um, one of the things I want you to know is this is part one. This morning, um, we are having part two tonight at six o'clock, and everything I'm going to share today about being a parent relates to any kind of relationships you have. I'm going to be focused on the parent-child relationship or the grandparent-child relationship, but it implies to all relationships. So whether you're a parent or not, if you came tonight, you are going to get a lot of good practical tools. I'm actually going to talk to um, the adults about how to care for your own heart, because if we we want to be able to care for the hearts of our children, we're going to have to know how to do it that ourselves. And, and bring your kids. I know there's no program for kids. I love kids. Bring them. I will be giving them some tools how to care for their own hearts. Um, I don't mind noise. It's going to be very casual tonight. So I don't care if there's noise, there's crying babies. It doesn't matter. I want you to be here because I really want to be able to support you and your life and your relationship with your kids, your grandkids. And so I am very excited um, for this opportunity to share what's passionate about me. I actually believe that parenting is the most important job on the planet. Um, it's also the hardest job, and we have the least preparation for it. It's so important, yes, we're not typically very prepared for it. And um, I wish I could start fresh, like these babies. Oh my, if I could just start all over. And, and I got grandkids, so I have a do-over. I think that's the thing about grandkids, it's our do-over. We can give our grandkids what we didn't get the first time around to our own children. And, um, but anytime I have learned that Regardless of what you did with your own children or you're doing with them now, the tools that I'm going to give you today, you can have a do-over. I love that. There's always an opportunity to redeem um, the things that had happened earlier. And so I want to encourage you in that. But in the last 20 years, um, I've had the privilege of hearing the life stories of so many people, um, probably hundreds, if not a few thousand people that I've personally taken through. Those of you that are familiar with phase one of the ultimate journey. And I found that the issues people deal with 
in young adult and adulthood are rooted in their life situations from childhood, mostly the inability to learn how to process their emotions. And it's very clear when we would do these groups, as, you know, Teen Challenge, we would see it. Um, so much of the uh, issues were from emotional pain from childhood. And so what I'm really hoping to, after 20 years of doing damage control with people, I'm focused on prevention. I want to go out of business. I want to totally go out of business. I don't want to be a place where people are broken and hurting and have to come and have healing. Because really, those of you that are familiar with phase one, it is really just being a healthy family. Those little groups are a place where you can be where you are, feel what you feel, receive what you need, and it's really a do-over. It's a do-over for us, for our own childhoods. But I would love to prepare parents um, so they could be able to do this with their kids at a young age. Um, I believe parents do the best they can with what they have. I really do think we do the best we can. You know, if you're going to give your child a bowl of soup, maybe all you have is broth. And so you give them broth and that's great. But if you have carrots and peas and potatoes or some form of protein, they're going to have a much more nutritious and healthy soup. But what if you don't have carrots and peas and potatoes growing in your garden? It's not going to get in their soup. And so I'm going to get you some more stuff to put in your garden so you can put it in your kid's soup. I also want to hope that you have grace for yourselves today. If you realize that you have been, your kids have been missing stuff in their soup, or maybe you kind of put some toxic stuff in their soup, give yourself grace. You can only give what you have. You can only give what you have, and now you have more to give. There are no perfect parents, unfortunately. There are no perfect parents. I remember um, when my, I, my daughter was in college. I've, we have two daughters, my husband, Jim, and I, and now they're 34 and 32. And I remember my daughter coming home from college one, one weekend, and we were just having this conversation, and she was really hurting. And she was sharing with me some of the things in the way I parented her that affected how she was living her adult life. And, you know, again, when they get older, they start seeing it play out. And it, I was heartbroken, and she was heartbroken, and she was sharing the things that had hurt her, and I just listened. And you're going to learn about validating today. That's my key phrase you're going to learn about. But I just listened, and I vowed, yes, I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry that happened. And I just validated her hurt. And the more I validated, the more it came out. The more it came out. And she was just able to purge some of this emotion. And you know what? Honestly, you know what I'd like to have said? You know, I did the best I could because that was true. That was true. But you know what? It didn't matter. The best I could, guess what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And so we had this opportunity, and she just shared and poured out her heart. And the, the conversation closed really well, and we went on with the day. But the rest of that day, I'm just thinking, oh, you know, I'm just feeling heartbroken because it was never my desire to hurt her. And that night when she went to bed, I went into her room, and I told her, I said, you know what? I just want you to know that I am so sorry and I already apologized to her earlier, but I'm apologizing again. I am so sorry for those things that I did or didn't do that hurt you. I said, you are an awesome young woman. And you deserved to have a perfect parent. You deserved to get the things you needed. You deserved to have me say the right thing at the right time. That's what you deserved. And I am so sorry I didn't do that for you. And I will never forget it for the rest of my life. She looked at me and she said, Mom, 
you're not a perfect parent, but you're the perfect parent for me. You're the perfect mom for me. And that's what I want to say to each one of you that are parents. You are not a perfect parent, but you are the perfect parent for your child. You are the parent that God has designed to be there for your child. And my hope is that I can give you some tools today to help you in your parenting journey. Now, my talk is not going to be about discipline techniques. Um, it's not going to be that, because that's everyone's, so how do I get my child to obey? How do I get my child to do the right thing? That is not what this is about, okay? But, but that is another ingredient. You know, I do, a, I do a parenting seminar called Gardening Your Children, and it's like 10 weeks long, and we talk about parenting with your love, how to parent their love languages, how to parent them their personality, how to get them to be more cooperative. So those are all ingredients that are really important, super important. But this is the ingredient that I think is overlooked the most, and when I've done my um, parenting uh, class, a lot of people say this is the thing that they didn't really realize the value and importance of. And so that's why I'm going to focus on that um, aspect today. I know you've got a note page there, right? Everybody, if you didn't pick that up, you really want to have one because it's, you're going to want to follow along. It's going to really help you. But I just want to pray um, before we go any further. Father, I thank you for these moms and dads. I thank you for these grandparents. And I thank you for everyone else because some of us will be moms and dads. But everything that you say about our hearts applies to everyone. And so, Father, I just thank you that you stand ready to give each person in this room what they need. Father, I thank you that you can take my words and apply them exactly to where they're needed. Father, I pray that you would be free to flow through me and to be a blessing to each person here and for each child and for the generations to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about this. Let me see if this is working. This, my little thing is not moving. Yeah, I turned it on. I wonder if it needs a new battery. Oh, okay. He just knew what to do. He does this all the time. Okay, I want to talk about emotional intelligence. This is a concept you might have heard about. It's the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. That's emotional intelligence. Now, studies are showing that your emotional intelligence is more important than your IQ. And, and your IQ, while that's good, it's your emotional intelligence that helps you get along and have good relationships in the workplace. It's the key to personal and professional success. But I want you to know this, it's also necessary for spiritual maturity. Yeah. Because if you don't have your emotions healthy, if you're not an emotionally healthy person, you're not gonna be a spiritually healthy person. If you wanna be holy, you have to be whole. And I believe the first time I heard that was from your pastor. If you want to be holy, you have to be whole. And so if you are not whole, then you will fall into all kinds of sinful patterns in your life to try to get whole, to fill that hole. And so this is really critical. The education of emotions begins with parents teaching their kids about their emotions and being able to validate them. So there's lots of kinds of emotions that we have. Some of the major ones, afraid, happy, sad, angry, surprised, even silly is an emotion. 
Those yucky feelings are the ones that produce the bad behavior, like temper tantrums, anger outbursts, emotional drama, or selfishness. And those nice feelings are the ones that produce the good behaviors, that's co cooperative and kind and considerate and playful. Those are the things that help us behave and act right. So the key to emotional intelligence and emotional health is validating feelings. So let's talk about that word. Validating is recognizing the worthiness or legitimacy of one's feelings by acknowledging you understand where they are coming from. You don't have to agree, nor do you have to take them on as your own. Validating is like watering a plant when it is stressed in the environment. There is a direct connection between how kids feel and how they behave. When children feel right, they will act right. So our job as parents is to help them feel right. Not to help them act right, not to focus on the behavior, but to help them act right. You may have heard of this saying, rules without relationship equals rebellion. If you have a lot of rules for your children, but they don't sense that emotional connection with you, then that's typically going to be a setup for rebellion. Parents do, though, generally have a difficult time accepting their kids' feelings. For example, your child might say, I hate you. We might respond with, well, you don't really hate me. Or, how dare you say that to me? I'm your parent. Or a child has an angry outburst, and we say, there's no reason to be angry. Or we pull the spiritual card, what would Jesus think about you right now? That's a really good way they want to view Jesus, right? Got to be careful. Or it's not that big of a deal. Or a child falls down and they start crying. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Or what about, this is an interesting thing. Those of you that have the little babies, remember when you had your little children and they, they took a bath, you know, the little babies and toddlers and they're, they're taking their bath and you're, they're all done and they're, it's time to drain out the water and they're all chilled and they're all cold and you just see them going like this and you just get out that towel and you just snuggle, oh, it's okay, I'm going to keep you warm, you know, and you snuggle them up. But then when they're five, and they're taking their bath, and it's time to get out, and they're, I'm so cold, man, it's freezing now. I'm so cold. You'll be fine. See, once they have the verbiage, once they have the words, and they're negative words, and we don't like, see, you can just go, but if you say, I don't like being cold, then all of a sudden we react differently. I want to tell you my favorite saying. It's right here. Feelings are for feeling, not for fixing. Let's say it together. Feelings are for feeling, not for fixing. And that's on your paper if you want to fill in that note. You need to be able to process feelings and not fix them. Emotions are kind of like your digestive system. I don't want to be gross. But if you eat, 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 and it doesn't come out and it gets stuck, that's not good, right? We've had that experience before. It's like your emotions. Your emotions are supposed to be go in, come out. You're supposed to be able to have that healthy way of processing. And fixing, trying to fix emotions is like plugging it up. And that's not good. And we don't want that. I remember um, when my youngest daughter was in second grade. She came home from school and she was very upset. Something, I don't remember, something happened on the bus or some kid did something and she was just really hurting. And she came in and I put her on my lap and she's telling me all about this situation. 
And I just held her and, and listened to her and listened to her. And I was saying, I'm so sorry. That's, that's so hard. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh, that would be really, really hard if that happened to me too. And I'm listening to her, but in my head, and I'm, but in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk to that kid's mom. Maybe I should go talk to the principal. You know, in my head, what do I want to do? I want to fix it. I want to right the wrong of what's been done to my little girl. But you know what? That's not what she needed. So thankfully, I didn't do that. I held her on my lap, and I just let her feel, and I just let her cry. It probably lasted like three minutes, and I'm holding my tongue the whole time because I want to say the things that are going to fix it. And you know what? After three minutes, she hopped off my, hey, Mom, I'm going to go play now. She was fine. See, that's what she needed. She just needed to be held. She just needed to have somebody there. When we deny our children's feelings, they may feel confused, sad, hurt, or angry. And it teaches them not to be able to know what their feelings are or to trust them. When we deny our children's feelings, they do not get the comfort they need. This can result in them looking to false substitutes as they get older, like food, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, all those different kinds of things. I remember in Teen Challenge, you know, and I'm sure Dave will relate to this. My, my job the last two years at Teen Challenge was every afternoon I had a, a group of men that I was taking through the phase one. It was wonderful, but it was heartbreaking because I calculated in my mind statistics, Lucy, that over 90% over 90% of those guys have been molested as kids. And a lot of emotional pain. And those kind of pain you don't typically talk about. So you don't get a chance to process that. And so when we don't process our pain, we got to do something with it. So stuffing, numbing are very, very common. I, uh, I had the chance to go to prison. I was so excited I got to go to prison. I tell my husband, I'm going to prison. I'm going to prison. There was a prison in Iowa where they were taking people through phase one. And it was so exciting, and it was going to be their last night. And um, Jim and I were invited to go to the prison, and um, they didn't know we were coming. It was going to be a surprise. And it was so exciting, but we walked in that room that night, and we had a chance to talk to these men and hear their hearts. And their hearts of gratitude were huge. I never, ever had a place to talk about my feelings before. I learned that it's okay for me to feel things. And they had been through so much. Some of these guys had had 12 foster homes. Some of them had been given away because their parents were on drugs. And a lot of them were there. There were a couple of people in that group that were there for life, for murder. There were several of them that had just been in there for drugs. But... They hadn't had a chance to process that pain and that hurt. And so because they didn't feel right, they didn't act right. And so we have this opportunity to help our kids act right. Because I believe after doing groups with so many people, every addiction, every addiction is a substitute for the true comfort a person is looking for. Every addiction, and there are things that I believe are addictions that the world doesn't even say are addictions today, but I believe they are, and I'm not going to go into that. But if we can comfort, if our children can learn comfort as as they're young, they won't need to look for comfort in other things. It's very, very important. I heard a definition of sin once years ago, and it's sin is nothing more 
than the accumulated frustration that we try to work out in ways contrary to God. I'm going to say it again. Sin is nothing more than the accumulated frustration that we try to work out in ways contrary to God. And what happens is, is the sin is a result of this frustration. And if we can deal with that accumulated frustration, we're not going to be driven to do the things that we shouldn't be doing. And usually that frustration is the emotions. It's that connection to our emotions. It's kind of like, emotions are kind of like this. You're driving your car down the road and the warning light on the dashboard goes on. Oh, there's a problem here. Where are my wire cutters? You grab your wire cutters, you clip the wire. Okay, we're all good now. See, that's what all of our numbouts are. They're wire cutters. And we all know that eventually we're going to get down the road and our car is going to break down. And what's going to have to happen? Someone's going to have to lift up the hood and look in there and find out what's going on. And those of you that have been in phase one of the ultimate journey, you, you know, it's really about lifting up the hood and what's going on in there. And so we, rather than clipping those wires, even for your children, we're going to pay attention to what's really going on. So validating feelings is how you are going to help your children feel right. Okay, if you look at your um, handout there, you'll be able to get a better picture of this, but I'm going to go through each one. As we go through this list that you have, if you have your handout, I want you to mark a P for any of those that you would have heard your parents say to you, that type of approach as you were a child. So if that was something you would have heard from your parents... Then I want you to put a why if that's something you find yourself saying to yourself because we do talk to ourselves. Every day we talk to ourselves. How many times did, oh, I can't believe I did that. What an idiot I am. And then I want you to put a C if that's something that you find yourself saying to your children. And I will tell you, some of you are going to hear these and you think, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You know, think about if that's what you really, when your parents said that to you, if that was really helpful to you. Okay, but we want us to have an awareness. So right now we're going to get awareness of some of these things. But I don't want you to be hard on yourself, okay? If you find that you've been using these responses with your kids, because you know what? A lot of times we say the same thing to our kids that were said to us, even if it wasn't helpful, even if it was hurtful. But it was probably the only thing on your menu at the time. But I'm going to put other options on your menu so you'll have different responses. Okay, so the first one, denial of feelings. This sounds like, there's no reason to be so upset. You're probably just tired and blowing the whole thing out of proportion. It can't be as bad as you make it. To be, come on, smile. You look so nice when you smile. Okay, denying their feelings. Another way of doing that, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. You know, we all heard that. You know, isn't that terrible? If you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Absolute shutdown. Or suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> suck it up. I never heard that till recently. Suck it up, buttercup. You know, that's a great way to help your children learn to deny their feelings. So you're sending the message, it's just not okay to feel. The philosophical response. Look, life is like that. Things don't always turn out the way we want. Life isn't fair. You know what? It's true. Life isn't fair. Oh, I wish it was fair. 
but life isn't fair. And while that's true, that's not the comfort you need at the moment. Again, we had to remember, what do you need when it's your feelings that we're dealing with? Okay? Advice. You know what I think you should do? I'm a great advice giver. You know, it's, it's, it's really one of my biggest faults. Your child maybe comes in frustrated about something, and you immediately tell them what to do, rather than validating their frustration. You know, this, this is so much between men and women. You know, the stereotypical thing, men want to share their, or women want to share their feelings, and the men just want to fix it. It's the same thing with children and parents. It's the same thing with everyone. We just want to be able to say how we feel. My husband and I, it's, he's great. He's, I'm so blessed. We've been married almost 39 years. And, um, and so what, I, what I've learned is he says, you know, would you tell me up front that you just want to vent? Tell me up front that you just want to vent. And you know what? I'm telling you what, really wives, really do that. Love your husbands enough to give them a clue because they're just going to go into fix it mode. And so I remember this one time I told my husband up front that I just wanted to do this. And we were sitting in the car and I'm just venting and venting and venting. And it felt so good. And I'm one of those people that I'm an external processor. So I was venting and venting and, and I got done venting. And, and, he, and, I, and actually I'm getting some good thoughts about what my next steps are. And he goes, um, did you want me to share what I think? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. And he never did. But I didn't need him to share what he thought. You know, and it's okay for me. I can say he's a wise man. And it's okay for me to say, hey, you know what? What do you think of this? But sometimes we just want to be heard. And you know what? Being heard also makes us feel emotionally connected. And so this is the same thing for your kids. Okay, questioning. What exactly were you thinking when you did that? Why would you say that? Didn't you realize what would happen? Do you know what your kids are hearing? What were you doing, you stupid idiot? Even if you didn't say those words, that's what they're hearing. How about amateur psychoanalysis? Has it ever occurred to you that the real reason you are so upset by this is because you still haven't forgiven her? Okay, getting to the bottom of something is good, but your child probably won't hear you until they've been heard. Again, this is true for all of us in relationships. They won't hear you until you've been heard. I remember a situation. I was talking to a woman. She'd been at church, and there was this sermon, and it had to do with, I think, wounds or whatever. I'm not sure. But she talked about how she just got connected during while that sermon was going on. She just got connected with some real emotional um, uh, abuse from her father. And it just kind of came up. And so when there was the time for prayer at the end, she went forward and she just poured out her heart. And she was just, it was all new. And she's pouring out her heart about what her dad had done to her. And she was crying, crying, crying. And the first thing out of the prayer person's mouth was, well, you know, you need to forgive your dad. Because that's the magic Band-Aid, right? We got this huge bullet hole shot in the chest. Well, just forgive your dad. Put that Band-Aid on. Now, you know what? At some point, she's going to need to forgive her dad if she's going to really be able to move on. But that isn't the time for it. Okay? The time right then is just to be able to feel. She just needs to be validated. Someone just say, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. So we don't need to do the analysis thing. Defense of the other person. So imagine your child is teased or singled out for some reason. 
and you say, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by that. Just move on. It'll be okay. If you were a child, some of you were teased. Some of you were bullied when you were kids. Would that have felt good to you? Oh, I'm sure they didn't mean anything. That causes a child to feel emotionally abandoned and unprotected. You need to be the safest person for your kids. They need to know that they can come to you and you're going to be there for them and you're not going to dismiss their feelings or you're not going to side with somebody else. You know, and you know, what if they were the one that egged it on? Even though, stick with the feelings. You can unpack it later. It doesn't mean that you never go further with it. It's but your initial reaction needs to be about their emotions. Oh, spiritualizing. I am sure God has a good reason for why this has happened to you. Maybe you needed to go through this so you could be stronger and have a testimony. You just need to trust God. Okay, you know what? One of the things I believe is God doesn't waste stuff. I'm so thankful that he doesn't waste stuff. But to spiritualize it and say it like this is not really helpful because at that time I'm feeling that, am I going to think that's a very nice God? I got to suffer so other people can get benefit from my testimony? Again, thankfully, many of us, many of you have gone through some really hard things. You've been through a lot of pain, and your story has helped and blessed a lot of people. But again, what's the timing of when we're saying things like that? You know, the the beautiful scripture, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's truth, absolute truth. But you know what? Your friend loses a spouse or somebody dies that you know that's a a child dies. But you know what? I know this is hard, but God causes all things to work together for good. Is that comforting? Is that helpful? No, but it is truth. But there's a timing to say those things to someone. Okay, saying I understand. I understand exactly what you're going through. That happened to me. When I was your age, I was bullied too, and I'm fine now. Is that really comforting? You know, I'm great. That's, it's great, Dad, that you're okay now. But you know what? Were you feeling okay when you were 11 and the kids were pushing you into the, the wall and you were feeling totally rejected? You know, but a kid's not going to say that because a kid is trusting you to be there for their feelings. One of the things we need to realize is that As parents, we are the first gods in our children's lives. To them, we are their gods. And so however we respond to them, that's how they're going to see their heavenly father. That's the message that they're going to see from their heavenly father. So it's so important as those first gods that we are able to give them that representation. It's not just about leading them to know God. That's important. But do we reveal the heart of God. Do we reveal the character of God to our own children? Uh, pity is another one. Oh, you poor thing. That's terrible. I feel so sorry for you. Okay, the reason that's not a good response is because you are addressing the person. You are making it about the person. I feel so sorry for you rather than about the feelings. I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, I don't think we want to have people feel sorry for us. They want to feel sorry for our pain and what we're going through. The next one, missing the mark. 
you know, maybe you say to them, that must have been really confusing for you, but it was actually disappointing. What you want to do is if you aren't getting it right, then ask for clarification. You can tell by someone's expression on their face if you're getting it, you know. And I said to someone, wow, that must have made you really mad. And they said, no, I was really sad. Oh, okay, because sad is often under mad, right? It's okay if you have to, if you don't get it right, ask for it. But you really want to be able to hear the feelings that are going on. And you can always try again. So I'm going to use a, a scenario that walks through all of these different um, types of responses. And we're going to use the bees scenario. And uh, I think all of us have experienced ourselves being afraid of bees or kids being afraid of bees. So the scenario is you're at a picnic and your child is anxious about the bees buzzing all around. Is anybody related to that? Raise your hand if you've had that when you were a kid or you have kids that are concerned about bees. Okay. So denial of feelings. There's no reason to be afraid. They don't want to hurt you. The philosophical response, bees have a right to have a place to fly around. You're just going to have to deal with it. Advice, you just need to be still and not move around and they won't sting you. This is a classic, right? Right, you're just frozen and I'm not sure that always works, okay? <laughs> Or let's see, the questioning. Why are you freaking out so much about this? What is wrong with you? Comforting, right? Amateur psychoanalysis. I just don't understand it. Has something happened to you before that has made you so afraid of bees? Defense of the other person. I can understand why the kids are making fun of you. They know you shouldn't be afraid of bees. Yeah, good job, everyone. Spiritualizing, I am sure God will protect you. You shouldn't worry about these things. Just pray and he will keep you safe. You know, and of course, he is safe, but you know what? That kid might still get stung. And then what do they feel about God? Not that we don't pray about these things. Saying, I understand. I understand exactly what you're going through. I was afraid of bees when I was a kid too, and I got over it. And I wonder how you got over it. Or pity. Oh, you poor thing. That's terrible. I feel so sorry for you. Do, do you kind of feel how that kind of feels? Kind of, you know, it just does not feel good when you hear pity. Missing the mark. Those bees are really annoying. But maybe what that child is really feeling is fear, not just annoyance. Okay, so what would be a validating response to a kid that's afraid of bees? And you're at a picnic. I can see that you are really scared by those bees buzzing around. It is hard to enjoy your food when you are feeling afraid. I'm afraid. I'm validating. You know, honestly, you can't fix all the bees. You can't fix all the bees. You can spray them. You can do stuff. I mean, you can do some of that stuff. But if you're at a picnic and there's bees flying around, the best thing is just to acknowledge your kid. Yeah, yeah, that's really hard right now to be there. And they just want to know, is it okay that I'm afraid of bees right now? And that's really important. And doesn't mean you don't get out some spray or whatever if you have it. But what they need is that validation. Okay, so let's talk about some other guidelines then for validating feelings. 
first of all, you're going to listen with full attention. Okay, basic listening skills. When you're face-to-face, -face, having eye contact, not distracted by other things like technology. Sometimes you physically, especially with little kids, physically get down on their level or physically bring them up to your level. And then listen quietly without interrupting. Okay, it takes focus when your kids are feeling things. But there are some things that prevent us from being good listeners. One is being tired, okay? Yeah, sometimes we're tired, we're not on our best game. Being in a hurry, you know, what really is more important than your child's heart? How busy do you need to be? You know, well, I just need to finish this. Yes, sometimes you need to finish this. You know, yeah, you don't want something to burn on the stove, but you need to say, you know what, buddy? Your feelings are really important right now. Mommy just has to take this out of the oven, and then we can talk about it. At least let them know they're important. Um, being distracted. One of the distractions is your phones. Focus on a family did a, a survey of teens and what some of their concerns were. And their biggest concern was their parents not putting down their phones. You know, we, we're always nagging our kids about their phones probably. You're probably saying, oh, you need to put down their phone, pay attention. But what about the times when you're on your phone? There's nobody telling you that. Maybe your kids tell you that, but they probably aren't going to because you're the parent. But it was putting down your phones and focusing. Or forgetting to take an interest in what is being said. Sometimes we just don't pay attention to that. Seeing things only from your adult perspective. You know what? What might seem trivial to you as an adult is a big deal to a little kid. Lots of things are a big deal to, to, to little kids because kids don't have the ability to process things until they're nine years old. There's a whole different level of processing in the brain that happens at nine years old than before. They don't have the same ability to reason as a nine-year-old and older. We talked about wanting to fix feelings, being preoccupied with your own emotions, you know, sometimes we're just got so much going on in our own heart. And you know, that's real. You're having a bad day. You have struggles going on. It is really hard because, you know, at the time, you really want the attention. You really need something. And so it is difficult. And then lack of self-care. And um, this is that whole expression, put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, we live in a very busy culture. People are busy, busy, busy. I think through this whole pandemic stuff, people are realizing that, you know, maybe we didn't need to be so busy doing so many things and running around so much when we haven't been able to do so much of that. But really, put on your own oxygen chest. What do you need to do? When I was a mom, I was a stay-at-home mom, and when my kids were little, I mean, there were some days I just, you know, unless you're my age, and most of you are almost everybody is younger than me, but um, that was the whole Calgon take me away. It was a, it was a commercial, like, I just need a, I need a bath, or there was another, the nesty plunge. I mean, it was just somehow, you know, I just need a break, is what it was saying. And you know what? I used to think I needed to get away for a week. I just need to go to the Bahamas for a week, and then I'll come back, and I'll be a good mom, you know? But you know what? I really only needed an hour. I learned really fast. If I just had one hour, it made a big difference. So what do you need to do? And you know, sometimes, you know, if you're young parents, if you're young moms, you know, sometimes you need to just share with a friend, hey, you know what, how about every Tuesday, every other Tuesday, one Tuesday afternoon, you know, you get two hours and I'll watch your kids and I'll get two hours. Think about things that you could maybe do to be able to get that kind of break. Or, you know, maybe you just needed some time in the evening if you're, for whatever spouse you are. You know, one thing I tell, um, a lot of times I tell dads is when you, 
Before you get home, take time to decompress. Because when you walk in the house at the end of the night, and women too, okay? I don't know what, how many working moms, whatever your ratio is, but you need some time because your kids need you to be on when you walk in the door. They need to feel like that the best thing of their day is when they saw you at that moment. That's what they need to know. So what do you need to be able to do that? Maybe you just need to park down the end of the street for 10 minutes, and just sit there and just veg for 10 minutes and regroup. But whatever you need to do, be ready. I always say, parents, don't make your kids get your leftovers. Whatever you need to do so your kids don't get their leftovers. Because they need to feel they're so, they need to feel they're so valued and so important. I have to tell you this thing. My husband was just telling me this on the way here. Um, our little, one of our little granders, she's three years old and she's into the whole princess thing. She pretty much wears a Rapunzel um, dress every day. And then she takes a big sheet and she makes her hair really long. And um, Jim and her were playing yesterday and they, she had all these princesses. She had all these lineup of Disney princesses. And Jim asked her, you know, which one of those Disney princesses is your favorite? Which one of these princesses is your favorite? And she's looking at all of them, and she's not sure. She doesn't know. And he says, I know which Disney princess is, which princess is my favorite. And he pointed to her. And she just beamed. She just beamed. She felt valued. She felt loved. She felt that. And that's a grandpa thing, okay? So you grandparents, you have such a wonderful opportunity. But your kids know their value by how you greet them when you come home or when you leave. Whatever the case is, let your kids know that they're super valued. And sometimes you need to get your own self-care. Children need to have their feelings accepted, respected, and acknowledged, but not necessarily agreed with, okay? When you acknowledge your child's feelings, they feel less upset, are free to share, and more able to cope with the situation. Um, for example, you know, when, you're, when you, you tell your child not to be afraid, it does not help. You don't need to be afraid of that. It does not help. There's nothing to be afraid. It is real to them. Their fears are real to them. You know, your child that's afraid of the dark, Oh, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. It's going to be okay. Instead, what if you said, it can feel scary sometime when it's dark. I just want to hold you for a while. See, I'm not crazy because I'm afraid of the dark. It's normal. How many kids are afraid of the dark? Lots of kids. Most kids. Or how about monsters under the bed? <laughs> the classic monsters under the bed thing, right? You know, go take your kid, pull up the thing. Look, see, there's no monsters under there. You know, you're clueless. You don't know what you're thinking. What's wrong with you? What if you said, that would be scary to think there's monsters under your bed. I've said this to my grandma. It would be really scary to think that there were monsters under your bed. Should we check it out? See, that's a very different thing. You're not thinking they're crazy because they're afraid. And that's what they really need. Your kids don't typically just come out with their feelings, okay? They don't say, I'm feeling sad because Emily doesn't want to play with me. That's not what you're typically going to hear. What you're typically going to hear is, I don't like that Emily anymore. So what's a typical response we might give? Well, that's not nice. Emily is your friend. But what if you said, wow, sounds like you're sad and upset with Emily. Hey, Sit down. Tell me what happened. 
and then they can process whatever that is, and also they're going to feel connected to you. Sometimes you can tell by what and how your child says something what they are feeling, but other times you need to ask them. Sometimes you can say, how did that make you feel? And if they're having a hard time figuring that out, you can also say, well, that would have made me feel sad. Yeah, mom, that's how I felt. Okay, really talk about feelings. You know, with kids, you know, there's all the emojis about emotions. Being able to pick out their feelings and let them get connected. And tonight, if you bring your kids, I am going to do some things with your children to help them understand their feelings and the importance of how they can even be there for their own hearts. Sometimes children, especially the younger ones, might just want to be held. Sometimes they don't have the words and holding them is impactful. Many children also have a hard time explaining why they feel. So it's not necessarily best to say, why are you so angry? Sometimes it's better to say, I see you're angry. All feelings can be accepted, but certain actions must be limited. Okay, for example, I can see you're really mad at your brother, but tell him with your words, not your fists. Okay, I can see you're really mad at your brother, but tell him with your words, not your fists. I just heard my daughter say to my granddaughter, I know you are frustrated about that, but use kind words. I know we've often been told that when we're angry, you know, hit a pillow, throw something, stomp your feet. Do you know what? That's not processing anger. It is not processing anger because anger has words. And many times, anger is a front for hurt. So many times I've said, you know, people are like, well, just let your anger go. Just say what you're feeling in your anger. You know, and you know what? They'll get like 30 seconds into it and they'll start crying. Because that's a lot of times how we process our hurt. I was so excited this past week. Um, one of my grandchildren was up, very upset about something. And they started to act out in anger. And all of a sudden, they stopped and said, I'm angry. I was like, hallelujah. You know, you just keep putting it in and putting in. I'm angry. And now it can be dealt with. Because it's the, those acting out happens when you don't feel right. But then you can deal with that because giving your children the word is really important. And then they can begin to talk about what's upsetting them. Now, this does not mean that your child may not need to be disciplined if they hurt someone with their anger. You know, it doesn't mean we don't ever have other things that has to happen. I'm just focusing on the feelings part. But if we teach kids how to express their feelings in healthy ways, they're less likely to act out in their anger. This is another important point. Be careful not to take your children's feelings too personally. Okay? You, you need to be very strong and good and okay with yourself as if you're going to be a parent. Because your kids know where your buttons are. They know where your buttons are and they will push them. And don't take it personally. It's part of them growing and trying to figure things out. For example, if your child says, I hate you. You can say, I don't like what I just heard. I know you're angry with me, but you need to tell me in a different way. See, something's going on that they said I hate you, but they need to tell you in a different way because they have feelings. Or, I'm upset I can't watch that TV show right now. You can say, I understand. That would make you upset. I know you really enjoy watching that. See? 
They express their feelings, you acknowledge it, but the TV's not going on. But they heard, they were heard, and that's really important. Sometimes children have two different feelings for the same situation. Okay, so I know you're excited to go to camp and be with your friends, but you are scared about leaving home. See, your kids, you know, going to camp, they've been so excited to go, and you've heard all this excitement about ready to go camp, and then it's two hours before, and they've changed their tone. I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I go. I'm really afraid. Hey, but you just were so excited about it. You were just excited about the other day. You can feel two things at the same time. You can be excited to go to camp and feel afraid because you're leaving home. My, uh, my grandson uh, started school, kindergarten. And I said, how, how, is, how, are, how are school going? And I said, or how do you like school? And this is what he did. And he said, I really, really like school, but sometimes I feel shy. You know? And it, was, it wasn't this, it was that. But I thought, yay. And I said, yeah, buddy, that makes sense. You can really like something, but still feel shy. Okay. Don't repeat the names children sometimes call themselves. Like if, if a kid said, I'm so stupid... Instead of saying, no, you're not stupid, you could say, yeah, it can be really discouraging when you don't get the grades you wanted. See, you're not focusing on that identification of I'm a stupid person versus what's been going on. Okay, so this is the most important one of all that I believe is about negative emotions. Negative emotions are harder for us as parents to validate. We are afraid of reinforcing the negative because we think if I reinforce someone's, I'm having the horrible, worst, terrible day of my life. Oh, it can't be that bad. Just This one good thing happened today. See, we're afraid if we validate the negative that it's going to take people, take them down lower. And this is true for all relationships. You know what? If you're not valuing the negative, you know what's going to happen? They're going to have to be more negative to convince you how bad it is. So it's so important that you validate those negative emotions. Love, love, love this scripture. Proverbs 25, 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Singing songs to a heavy heart. Trying to cheer them up, right? Trying to make them feel better. What does that do when you take off a garment on a cold day? You're withholding what they need. And what happens with vinegar and soda? <laughs> they are opposite. They have an opposite reaction to each other. And what happens? It explodes. You know, just, just Phyllis as an adult. You know, some of you have been in relationships. Um, and, you know, someone broke up with you. And you go tell your friend you're devastated. You go tell your friend, so-and-so broke up with me. Well, I didn't like him anyway. And here you are crying, so upset. You know, this was someone you were going to marry or you were engaged. You know what? There's more fish in the sea. Or grandpa dies and you tell that little, little kid, but God needed daddy in, or God needed grandpa in heaven. Don't ever say that. If you want them to not view God in a good way, you can say that. The negative things are so, so hard. 
Do you know half of the Psalms are David lamenting? He laments. He laments. He does not sound like a man of faith as he begins his Psalms. You know, after he's lamented, after he gets it all out, after he processes it, then he says, but you, O God, are. But he is free to lament first. God does not meet us where we pretend to be, but where we really are. God does not meet us where we pretend to be, but where we really are. And we need to meet our kids where they really are, not where we would like them to be, all happy, all excited, all carefree. I want to show this clip now, and we'll see if I can. But this is a beautiful clip of this situation. I don't know if you're going to make it to start. But this is from the movie Inside Out, which is a great movie for your kids about emotions. It's a clean movie, um, which is thankful. And, um, but anyway, if, you don't, if you're familiar with the movie, there's a character, Joy. She's your happy, happy all the time person. And there's sadness, which is the sad person. And I think you'll get the picture of it, and then we'll unpack it for a minute afterwards. So can you go ahead and hit that clip? So the whole concept of depression, you know, depression is a big thing in our culture right now. And, um, and this is a lot of why people are depressed is because they're not having their feelings validated. Depressed people usually are depressed just because of their circumstances. It's because what they tell them about their circumstances. So if you unpack that, you'll hear this from them. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be over this by now. Other people have it a lot better than I do. Okay. They're saying things that try to get, they think that that's going to get them out of their depression, but it actually sinks them deeper. So when you're in relationship with your kids or anybody else, it's really important that you just stay with the feelings. And it's so hard because we just want to make them feel better, but that is how you make people feel better. You think about your own experience. When, someone, when you're feeling down and someone tries to cheer you up, it doesn't feel good. But kids feel so good and so loved and so cared for when you can just validate their feelings. There's another scripture um, in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can you say that with me? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's what scripture tells us. Don't try to rejoice with someone who's weeping. We need to um, be with them right where they are. And you don't have to say a whole lot. Try not to say, that's really sad, but I'm sure tomorrow will be a better day. Okay, because th when you do that, it just kind of discounts what you just said. It's kind of like, I really like you, but, well, you must really not like me. You know, but just be able to be right there and just stay in that moment. And you know what? If they say it again, yeah, but da-da-da, yeah, that's really hard. Continuing to stay because you will build such strength in your children, in your grandchildren by being there for their feelings. Everything I've said this morning applies to all of your relationships, even your adult-to-adult relationships. So tonight at 6 o'clock, bring your kids 
I will be helping with your kids. I don't, it's going to be much more casual. It's going to be practical. This is, again, you overview, but tonight I'm going to say, how do you practically do this with your kids? What are some of those situations? You can give your own scenarios of what you're dealing with and how do you process those. I'm going to teach you how to care for your own heart, how you can help your kids care for their hearts. The scripture in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life above all else. So what does it look like to guard your heart? What does it look like to help your kids guard your own heart? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.